about the um the galley um <laughs> we had a few really good names um <laughs> which i can't remember now oh what did we call this we were thinking like fred of... johnson something something like the yeah this is the prelude this is where we tell you the listeners about how fucking awesome this fucking tv show fucking is <laughs> and fucking you should fucking watch it if you're at all serious about science fiction even if you're not it's still fucking good i think you need more fucks in there uh, I think what's it, in Bustle Creole would be like all uh, load of fucks. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. And uh, you would do. You I know. have. Uh, so this is the levels of nerdy with which I have come to in this show. And Katie, I'd like you to share your nerdness after this. Uh-huh. I have looked up Belter Creole. I have bought a coffee mug that is the exact same prop as what they have in the Rossinanti. Mm-hmm. I bought a little one that was apparently in a loot box. Don't have the money to put towards that sweet Kickstarter Rossi model. Oh, God. Even though it is so cool looking. It's also huge. And, like, I don't need two feet of the Rossi in my office or around my home. Yeah, your cat and or and her dog would immediately break it. But I love this fucking show. I don't even know how I started watching it, but I am here. And you're a bookhead. Yeah, well, I mean, I've watched the show first, and then when, you know... I was oh, like, you did? I thought, you, I thought I'm sorry, I thought you read the books first. I watched the first season. After the first season, I'm like, well, fuck, where's the rest of it? Because someone... You know, <laughs> and then I was like, well, fuck it, I'm going to read the book. And that's when I realized that the first season only coincided with, like, half of the first book. Yep. And then I finished it, and then it just kept going until I caught up. And now I'm actually going to, like, wait for releases. But not not wait that long. I think book nine comes out middle of next year. Yeah, they they're pretty consistent about releasing it like every year to year and a half. We're and not going to get caught in a Game of Thrones land. Well, yeah, no, because I think the next one is the last one. So sad about that. But you know, it can't go on forever. I guess. I guess. So how did how did you decide? So this was it the story? Was it the characters? What was it for you that was like made you latch onto this show? Um, I think it was a lot of the early on, like, the noir sort of thing, like, the mystery of it, of, like, what's going on, like, what's happening, like, what's really going on behind the scenes, like, it definitely seemed like it was, like, that first season, you're, like, something bigger than everyone is, like, you know, uh, like, there's, like, intrigue. Um, it's not and, like that in the books, though. I mean, it kind of is, right? But you, the books, you're, the first book, you're getting it from only two perspectives, right? You're getting it from... The investigator and um, you get it from Miller and Miller um, and Holden. Yes, are the first books, and then the second books you start to get more and more of you know different perspectives to see like exactly sort of like what's going on here, like what's at stake, who's who are the players in this. Um, it definitely has like that space opera feel for sure, where you're like, ooh, what's happening? And then when you think you know something, then they of course they they add a twist, and you're like, oh shit! And like the scope just gets bigger and bigger. Like now being on the eighth book, like looking back to this, to where like the show is now, I'm like, mm, that's so quaint. Because <laughs> of like how it, like the scope just keeps widening um, about like what's happening and like what's going on and what seems like is going to be like the ultimate big bad. 
yeah, of yeah. the entire series, uh, like, is starting to finally, like, be laid out. So, and I just really liked, um, I really thought that the acting was great uh, in the first, like, in the show, because like, that's definitely, like, what initially, like, hooked me. I just thought it was really well done. It had a lot of the, uh, in the books more so, but it had a lot of, like, this, the hard sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, probably what ultimately got me involved was, like, with my background in anthropology and, like, having, like, I remember like a, a project I did where you had to speculate, you know, based on trajectory of like human, you know, and hominid evolution up to this point. Like, what do we think, you know, the next steps of like, you know, humanity might look like, you know, as far as adaptation goes. Um, and the the way that the belters are described is very much based on like what we think biologically like would happen to the human body, you know, given like time and space. So. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Hey, yo. So, uh, uh, so I thought that was really interesting. And of course, like the language and like, you know, this, this definitely tracks like this whole Creole because, you know, when, you, when they explain the background of like, it's all these like sort of cultures and, you know, uh, all these different backgrounds coming together, sort of like it basically still become, you know, second class citizens of, of the galaxy it was just really interesting the way that like it all like came together and was developed and realized like for both, you know, the, the show uh, and the books. I don't know. It was just all in all, I think it's just super well-rounded and a really interesting and intriguing way. And it's not in the same way that like Star Wars is where it's like everything oh, yeah, no. has to have every single detail explained to you and like, you know, milked for all it's worth. Like there's a lot of like speculation and that's the best part of this. So. <sighs> I I would say almost it's not necessarily about the details being explained to you, it's that they enrich the world around the main characters, like learning about ship ecosystems, but in a meaningful way that advances the plots. Mm-hmm. Like like I think of in book two and in season two, I think, where Prax is talking to I think Holden might have been um uh might have been Amos mm. about the collapse of Ganymede. And that the plants themselves are breaking down, and you have this cascade. And in the books, it, it takes a really neat turn. I, th- I don't think the show does it as well, or is fully developed. I think they do it um, in smaller pieces, but it's not a focus of the plot the way it is in the books of like this like collapse of the solar system's society once the ring emerges from Venus. But I love, oh man, it's I, I first watched it from the TV show. I think that for me was a big hook in because I was going to Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my, like there was many nights in undergrad that like was spent like watching Battlestar Galactica, then going out and talking about the show and drinking and having fun and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And this to me, like definitely fits that hard sci-fi thing, but it is, it still feels space opera-y in the sense of like, it's, it's dramatic, it's expansive. It's not so much like the Star Trek narrative of, smart people solving problems mm-hmm. if anything to me I, i'm curious what your thoughts on this it feels to me like it's a show about moral people attempting to solve problems like one of the things i love about this show is that it's not the characters tend to find what the right thing to do is but they always struggle to get there and like there's always consequences there's always like weight to the actions they take so yes and no i think morality like over time you can see like how it definitely becomes more convoluted as they start introducing like new and more complex scenarios and contexts. 
So, I mean, like, I don't want to talk too much about the books because, like, we are, you know, mostly talking about the show. But, like, definitely where they are now, you're like, yeesh, is that the best, you know, uh, course of action that Holden could have taken? You're like, And it's basically, he talks about, like, how, like, with age, he's, you know, sort of realized he's not the idealist and that he's just managed to fail upwards and is just trying to make the best of it. Um, And, like, you know, try to get as many, get as few people killed as possible. Um, no matter what it takes. So it becomes the trolley problem for sure, like way later on. <laughs> well, um, I think, well, the, I mean, we're, we're sort of like doing this in advance of season four coming out on Amazon. You know, it's very clear to me that the plot line of that point is we have colonists on a planet. What sort of autonomy do they have? Who runs things? Who's in charge? Because no one kind of is. And what kind of consequences or ramifications that could have for countless other people. God, I fucking love the politics too. Like the class dynamics was something that I very much was attracted to. Um, thinking of the the Belters as this like working class of the solar system, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm also gonna say like the actors like hold like uh, Holden Stephen, um, what's his name? Stephen Strait. Yeah, so I love Stephen Strait, even though he is like very clearly a Jon Snow knockoff casting choice. Uh huh. But he's so like doofy, charismatic. I guess, like he he doesn't have sort of like the same. Well, he, I guess he does. He does have that sort of burdening of character that like Kit Harrington brought to Jon Snow. But the Expanse is a universe that feels less gruesome, uh, or, yeah. or, or or not as the brutality of Game of Thrones felt indulgent. In the Expanse, it's kind of like a consequence of the environment that you're in. Like the 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 mercilessness of space as a force. If the if the expanse was a romantic a rom com, the and New York City is always the character, like the third character in the rom com. In uh-huh. the expanse, that's that's space itself. Right. I mean, sure. Uh, I don't know if that analogy quite works, but um, <laughs> like it has like a lot of again like the intrigue and politics and class dynamics that I think a lot of people did like about you know Game of Thrones series, but without like without any rape for one. Um, and you know, like the, the violence that happens is one that is usually political, um, you know, but it's not like, again, it's definitely like not excessive, uh, in the way, cause it all happens in space, like, you know, um, so you don't really see like a lot of like really gruesome stuff so much. Um, although I guess you kind of did the last season to take that back. Forgot about that. <laughs> uh, the weird the... child <laughs> deconstructing the human oh, body. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that was, that was something. Um, I, I definitely had the uh, the sort of like impact that I guess it was was going for in the show, which was supposed to be shocking. And like in the books, like it is a bit more body horror ish <laughs> in some of the parts that they describe. You're like, oh, that's horrifying. Basically, about this proto molecule being able to like repurpose what it's being given to work with. And in the case of Eros, it was human bodies. How do you repurpose that? I think the next season is going to be really promising because, again, like, you see these identities of, like, you know, Earth, like, you know, uh, people who live in, like, gravity wells, like, Mars and Earth, who are jockeying for power, and, like, Belters usually get caught in the middle, and now they're, like, a a vying, um, you know, political force, um, sort of, like, toward the end of of the last season. Like, now they're sort of, like, sort of being seen as equals uh, after the ring, uh, the ring gate, like, sort of thing that happened, um... And then in the fourth season, like, yeah, you have this new colony. 
There is a planet on the other side of the ring. A group of Berta refugees has claimed it as their home. A UN ship was sent to control the situation. The mission did not go as planned. I need to know what is really going on over there. And that becomes, it's not really spoilers, but uh, it's a colony of like people from Earth uh, who are trying to lay claim to it, as well as the Belters who got there first trying to to sort of like basically fight over resources and say he has a claim and then a big part of this settling of this colony is well belters are known like they're a lot of their identity it was like growing up without the gravity well like being able to to survive and adapt in microgravity and without again like a you know a sun and in all these conditions and then what happens when you introduce these conditions like not just like biologically like to like you know having to live under gravity when you're not used to it on your body but also like how that impacts your identity like are you a belter now are you still a belter what is what are you something else it's a very materialist show like it's very much concerned with that and i love that about it it's it's grounded in a way like i think like you mentioned star wars that this this is more grounded than that i think it asks a lot of questions it doesn't give you a lot of answers and that's why it's more interesting to me than star wars where star wars tries to like explain every little thing we're like we get it we get it. You don't need to like expand on every little pop, like nugget of lore. It's fine. So I think Star Wars is sort of an interesting thing. I, I tended to lump a lot of sci-fi fans into Star Wars versus Star Trek fans, and not just because it's been like a ongoing debate, but I think something about Star Trek fans in particular that I noticed growing up as one. One of the first things I remember, not the first, but something that was like iconic, was my parents had given me a Star Trek encyclopedia. Hmm when I was like 11 or 12 years old, soft cover. And I read it until it literally like fell apart in my <laughs> hands, just absorbing all the, the smattered of information, self-sealing stem bolts, triosians, um, the Tholian web, like all that kind of stuff like that. You just like absorb over time. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek has plotted so much of its universe. That's really filled in a lot of the gaps. Like we know the major historical events of the Federation from you know, 2265 to like 2409. And it's like an uninterrupted sort of loop Mm -hmm. or an uninterrupted span of time. And Star Wars has never fostered that unless you really got into like the expanded universe. And now with Disney doing their thing, they're trying to flesh in that universe in a way that I think it's changing the identity for me of like Star Wars-ish fans. Because I think there's like a collectorness like Star Trek fans, like as a fan, like I get frustrated when I see things that don't fit into the canon of the show. But that's a personal problem, I guess. Um, I liked Star I Trek know. okay. Like it was definitely like, you know, when it came down to like Star Trek or Star Wars, like I didn't think Star Wars was really science fiction. I definitely <laughs> gravitated way more toward like the the harder sci-fi or like the deeper, like more interesting problems that I thought Star Trek posed, especially like with culture. Um and, like, from that sort of, like, perspective of, like, identifying and interacting with, like, different cultures and and, and stuff like that. I don't know. It was very, like, story-heavy more than, like, action-based. So yeah. that's definitely, like, one of the things. Um, this- well, I think Star Trek, though, in comparison to Expanse, is that Star Trek, I was watching on TNG lately, it's very much, like, government come in, see a problem, solve a problem, and then we're off. And the Expanse keeps you in the middle of that problem for a while. So yeah, sometimes. I mean, it really it really depends on like what the problem is. Eventually, like it becomes more 
sort of scattered in a way that you might imagine with the implication of like 1300 gates being opened at the same time. Um, so you're like, oh, oh. Um, so it's interesting. Well, I guess we'll find out more about like, I'm just curious to see how they envision the protomolecules creators like technology. Because, like, you know, when you read the books, like, you can imagine, like, all these, like, wild things. And it's like, I'm curious to see how they're going to turn that into, like, a visual reality. So. The the show is relatively light on CGI, it feels. Like, not super. It does enough. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, I mean, there's, like, a lot of it takes place in, like, the Rosie or, like, in other, you know, ships. So. But then, of course, they have, like, the sweeping shots of like space and that layout and everything like that special effects were really good in season three like that was the one i felt like a noticeable step up in terms of like the quality of particularly the space stuff when bobby's rescuing avasarala from the um mao kwikowski ship Mm -hmm. and like that whole sequence and the rossinanti rescuing them and um there's a lot of really cool stuff in season three it felt like season three was like the show like came into its own as like we're here now. We're going to tell you this fucking awesome story. Let's go for it. Yeah. I felt very confident. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm just coming at it from like a different perspective, like having been that nerd who like read the books. And also I just read the most like <laughs> recent novella too that came out. I don't know. It's all just, it's all just super good um, as far as like development goes. And like, I don't want to spoil anything, but like it's, it is going to keep ratcheting up and it's like, oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Like, um, it's kind of like constantly, so that should be fun um, to see. When when were you like in on the show? Like, at what point were you like, I am a hundred percent on board for this ride? What do you what what do you remember that moment? What was it? Uh, QCB with the sorry CQB. See the exact same for me. Like I, I always tell people, if you want to watch the show, try to watch the first four episodes. If you're not into it after the end of the first after the fourth episode, you're not going to you know, be into it. Peace out. It's all good. No worries. You know, it's not It's not for you. It's fine. But if you're into it, by that point, you're fucking hard locked in. Right. Like, strap the fuck because, in. Because, like, We're they... Going to yeah, like, they talk... Like, you see, like, this technology that's impossible, and then you realize, like, oh, it's not as clear-cut as you thought. Like, again, like, that's when the intrigue starts to expand, and you start to, like, see how Eros and all this start to become tied in together and like what the keys that are like the pieces sort of like coming into play and then like yeah I was drawn in I'm like well now I have to know what happens and luckily <laughs> like um I got into it after I think the first season had completed so I was just I just binged it all in like maybe three days I don't know and yeah and that's when I was like well fuck now I gotta read all the books all of them did you find it hard to transition from the TV show characters to the books? I found a little bit challenging, particularly around Amos, um, a little bit of Naomi, um, but particularly Amos's character, because in the books he doesn't. In the books, he's not as sensitive as he is in the show, or has like the emotional capacity. I don't feel not as not as early. Like it comes in like around book three, I think, is when I start to really feel like Amos or the end of book two. But in the show, like. I'm, I really am attracted to Amos as a character. Like, he is so interesting. I feel like the show, like, sort of, like, comes through with a little bit. Like, he is definitely detached. They hint at his, like, past a lot, right? Which is that, um, you know, he's the child of, like, you know, he's, like, the unlicensed child of a sex worker um, from Baltimore, I believe, is his background. It, like, hints a little bit about that, but, like, it doesn't define him. So, like, you never, like, have, like, this whole, like, flashback series or anything like that. You just learn of sort of like, you know, grew up in a rough time that 
created pressure on him to like basically adapt or die. He got good at this one thing, got off of Earth, you know. Um, but that he's still very much like he he's definitely not as reactive in the um, or not as like emotionally reactive. Definitely not nearly as prone to violence. I feel like as he is in the show. In the show, like he's just supposed to be like almost like unhinged in certain aspects. Really? I feel like compared to the books, like in the books, like he's way more like just sort of like, all right, like, all right, boss. All right, Cap. And just like it's very like direct, even though like he but doesn't show much like he doesn't really betray a lot, except when it comes to children. Um, Mm -hmm. In the books, I did appreciate just how he absolutely kicked the shit out of that one guy who was trying to extort uh, around from like children or something like that. so they definitely have that come through, right? Like his one trigger, which is like mistreatment of children. But even then, he's not even like angry about it. He's just like, I'm going to fucking kill you now. Yeah. Um, very uh, nonchalant. Like the trailer for season four sounds really good. There is no version of this where we leave these squatters and murderers in possession of this planet. This place is our only hope. We're not giving it up. Uh, like God, for one, fucking love Gorm Norman. I think he's going to be an excellent villain. Uh, but just like that, that exchange that they have, it's like, I just feel like you and me are going to get bloody. He's like, well, I'm free right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the way that he can just be like, he can definitely like pop off and he's just like, seems like he's so like even keeled, like, sure, whatever you want to fight. Like he's definitely prone to fighting, but I don't think like in the first season, right. I think when like there was, yeah, that part where like Mars is trying to like break through and he's just like, I'm going to kill him, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he's normally like that. I think Amos is way more reasonable um, than the show kind of portrays him early on. To me, that scene in the book is the first time you start to see Amos more. I read him as as very disengaged and just kind of like, whatever, I'm here. I like to drink in the show. I think that his sort of like lack of drinking for the most part, like I know there's like a, a couple scenes where he drinks with Miller is really a testament to like this sort of character that kind of is highly controlled mm-hmm. and like, he knows that if he lets himself loose, you know, that that's always a, it's a careful thing. It's a purposeful thing that he is going to do harm when he lets go of that. What would you say are some of your like favorite moments from the series so far? I'm thinking myself of two to three, but I, and I, we didn't prepare this. So if you need time to two think to about three, it. what seasons, two to three, no, no, no. Like uh, what's what like moments of the show, like really like stick with you as defining or, like, that you would, like, you have to see this scene? Uh, God, there are, are, are quite a few. Um, I need to go back and rewatch it. Uh, because there, there are quite a few. Definitely, like, a lot. In, like, a bunch of them are season three. Because by that point, yeah, like, there's a lot more. Um, going on. That's a lot more going on. Um, I do re- really enjoy. I remember, like, both in the books and in the movie. Like, uh, the part where Miller shows up as the investigator. What are you slowing down for? You were doing fine. Where the hell have you been? Come on, gotta get to the crime scene. Gotta check out the clues. No, no more crime stories. I want to know exactly what you know. Oh, so you want to talk about the non-local quantum hologram? The phase cons, you get adaptive waves resonating in microtubules in the brain, which, of course, require some close timeline curves and... Lorenzi manifold. You catch up. I'll wait. And because uh, in the books, it's uh, portrayed as like from his perspective of like what's going on in his, I guess, quote unquote, thought process as part of this 
what is it a uh, uh hive mind this alien hive mind of like what's going on and talking about like how he like reaches out and reaches out and he's killed every time that he doesn't get um an answer and is reformed again and again and again and like how he actually experiences that and feels it and i'm like well that's fucking terrifying i think probably one of the best parts in the whole series book and uh tv show is the part where holden experiences the death of a multi like galactic hive mind in first person i think yeah i haven't gotten to that point in the books yet i'm still in the early parts of book three i'm trying to catch up okay well it was in it was in the show so like if you saw it um just sort of like how that's described and like visually represented that that whole moment of again like experiencing it in like the first person um for me it's the freighter scene with naomi where she is helping people evacuate from ganymede oh yeah where's your pride belter lotus you're tougher than anyone in the system every single one of you knew you were certain on the day you were born our life is hard now there's air for only 52 aboard only 52 of us can go there will be children young women and young men getting on if we have to stay back we have to stay back so let's be tough and do what needs to be done i can watch that scene over and over again and it still brings me to tears every single time when the large belter um dude is like you're going back on the ship i'm not going you still have more things that you need to do. And like, he like leverages her guilt as a way. Cause he recognizes and sees that. And he's like, you still have work to do. You still have more people to save. I'm not going to let you die here as a way for you to resolve this burden that you have and puts her on the ship and like takes off. And like, just even the idea of like the belters, you know, he has this like rousing speech of like, we're belters. We do hard things. We're hard people. This is what we got to do in this moment. Let's be rational. Let's take care of our women, our children and young people. And this is what we're going to do. I, I just love that as an expression of, I, I love every moment in the show that includes expressions of belter spirits and belter culture like that. Drummer's speech, obviously is another one. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. I think um, I definitely get, I got caught up in like the speculation of like the proto molecule again, like how it sort of like hijacks, you know, what it's got to work with. Um, but that it's intelligent enough to, again, like send, send out these radio waves, like with human voices. And it's established that these people aren't necessarily completely dead. And there is a horror that goes along with that realization of like, cause like you go to the ship, right. And they're like, there are no bodies here. Um, like there's nothing that looks even vaguely like you know, of human biology aside from like Julie piloting the, the, the planet, I guess, or the, the satellite, you know, arrows. Um, but yeah, when you, when you start to realize like later on, when you learn that again, like because it's the proto molecule and the creators are part of this hive mind, like perhaps this is also feeding into that as well. Um, and how, you know, consciousness might be applied through this particular type of like infection, essentially of a, of a 
alien organism. And like, so like, I think about that a lot in an existential dread sort of way of like, Jesus Christ, what would that be like? Um, especially because in the books, I think like there are what a million people, right? On Eros. In the show, so. In the show, they make it seem like it's a lot less, like 50,000 or something. But I know like in the books, it's like, no, there are so many more people. And they're like, there are no bodies. Again, like that sort of like horror that comes along with like, oh God. Um, and like how just the, um, the, whoever the creators are like tend to, tended to approach this sort of technology, um, and things like that. So I don't know, I like just the speculation, like really is like an interesting part to me of like trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and of course you can't because it's not a human brain. So uh, I'm really excited to be introduced to, uh, Elvie. The scientist who you may or may not know about in the third book. A third book is what Caliban's War. I believe so. So as I'm reading it right now, we have the security chief on board the Behemoth, who is you know in the show adapted into Drummer's character. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, we're sort of introducing in a more um, we're introducing in a slower way the character of uh, Doctor Anushka. Or... Oh yeah, yeah the the pastor. Doctor Anushka. Kova, I think. Uh, Elizabeth Mitchell's character, yeah. So th- we're taking a long way around to introducing her character. Um, Yeah, I think, to be honest, I really love the way that they adapted the show from the books. Um, oh, yeah. Particularly sure. the first season, like, introducing um, the character of Avasarala much earlier, I think really helps craft this, like, really great noir arc for the first season that really keeps you guessing, but in a way... And I think Bert and I, maybe we talked about this in the most recent episode of the podcast, the mystery, the the hanging on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And in this, it feels like the mysteries that we've been presented with are mostly answered. Like the only one that I think of that feels like a red herring after rewatching the first season, the blonde navigator that's Holden's girlfriend at the start of the show. She's like, James, I need to tell you something. And then the, sh- the can't blows up. Mm-hmm. That never, nothing comes of that, but that's fine. Who cares? Yeah. There's lots of like basic reasons or things she should have she could have been wanting to say to him that like don't matter they're not like a mystery but like it's easy to kind of look back like what was the thing she was trying to say really I think probably like what really solidified me like buying all the books and like talking to all my friends you know to read it is uh, the fact that two white dudes managed to make a series where all of the most powerful characters like the most adept most politically savvy most like physically powerful are all women of color but like not doing it in a token way at all like i i feel like naomi is especially like you know in the books as they progress and you start to hear more from her perspective like an amazingly interesting character uh she's still got a little bit of mystery sort of surrounding her right now um but you start to learn more about like just how brilliant she is as an engineer um and sort of like what she can do and then of course there's bobby who's just i love you frankie uh, adams everyone loves this podcast at any point uh let's Uh, hang out sometime you're awesome please body slam us (laughs) everyone wants to be body slammed by frankie adams i'm sorry like that's just a natural normal response to seeing frankie adams as bobby in like power armor like "Mm -hmm, yeah i'd be choke slammed thanks um (laughs) <laughs> also, uh, uh, Sh- uh, Shoray, hit me up. I'm totally down. Let's hang out. 
<laughs> also, of course, Ava uh, Sorella. I mean, in the books, I, I I do wish they had more of her of her aphorisms in the show because she's just so. <laughs> Once they crass. switched to streaming, they got more adventurous with their fucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like she's still like really composed. I mean, like it's still a good character, right? Because you know, uh, in the show, she's clearly not as old as she is in the books. Uh, and in the books, like she's just too old to give any amount of shits. Um, so I just really love like all of her things. I think my favorite is like, try not to stick your dick in this. It's fucked enough as it is. Uh, <laughs> like she's just constantly dunking like throughout the series. And that's like my favorite part is like, she's just constantly dunking on Holden. Yep. Um, where she's just like, God help like save us from good looking men, you know, and just like that sort of thing. And she's, she's the queen of the backhanded compliment. Right. I mean, like, she's also, like, an amazing political maneuver as well, um, as you start to, to find out as she gets, like, more and more, uh, basically, like, political power that she kind of doesn't want, but, like, kind of, like, takes it on begrudgingly. And you find out, find out like, again, like, she she does these things and you're you're sort of, like, left with questions. I think the third book is, is a great example, because that's the one that's on Ganymede, right? Um, War. The second one, I think. Second one was oh, okay. Well, like when she talks, like when she issues. Book one the... ends with the Eros going down into Venus, uh-huh. and book two starts with Prax, and ends with the ring emerging from Venus. I think. Okay. Yeah. So the one with Prax, because like, uh, basically when she issued that really amazing like couched threat into Prax's ex-wife. That was being like she was clearly being manipulative to like sort of uh, de- uh discredit Prax and his message. Um, I remember that part distinctly where I'm like, wow, what a, <laughs> what a stone cold, like amazing bitch to do this. Like, and just like such a composed, like political way. And I just, I love her character a lot. I mean, I, there are very few characters I don't like. And the ones I don't like are usually supposed to be the ones that you don't like, <laughs> you know? So, um, I think even Mao himself, like in the books comes or in the, in the show itself, he's like obviously evil, but also like you can see his motivations for things like Dr. Strickland, I think is the only person that you like are like, yeah, you're an evil fuck. Like you deserve right. to die. And like, you don't feel bad when Amos blasts him. Right. Um, I think I really like Clarissa Mao as a character because mm-hmm. she is like so fraught with like you know, daddy issues, but also, like, trying to also do the right thing, but not knowing how. Um, I feel like, you know, and then trying to go on this redemption arc. Everyone gets a chance in the show or in the series to redeem themselves, and that's something really cool. They don't, not everyone necessarily gets there, but they get a chance. Yes, that's true, for the most part, yeah. And, like, even as the show progresses and, like, you, the villains change and become, like, more authoritarian, they're written in such a way where you're like, well... You know, like, they're, they're written in such a dynamic, um, charismatic way that presents, like, such an important point that, like, you could almost see, like, the the rationale and logic behind it, right? Like, we're not there yet, but the way that, like, Duarte is written in the books is just, like, amazingly well done. Because you're like, well, I know his point is wrong, but the way that he goes about it in such a sincere way and not, like, a crazy, cackling, maniacal way... Um, is he's sort of like that sort of like begrudging leader um like this is such a heavy burden um and it's just written in such uh an interesting way where you're like i know he's bad but i still want to see how this plays out yeah so um i don't know everything about the series like i could just go on and on and on about it because i love it 
um, especially as as you get to see some of these new worlds and new characters, new colonies, like how the characters um, over time like develop, you know, their relationship, their friendships, their dynamics on the ship, you know, with other people. Like I don't know, they're just they're like the growth that happens. Um, it's all just really well done. Yeah, so. I think I'm a big person that also loves like the creative background of things like i've watched the lord of the rings movies with like each different commentary of like the actors the writers the producers um yeah the prop smiths and um one of the things i've loved is watching the behind the scenes stuff of the cast because it feels like they have a very strong relationship with each other that carries through the show i Um, mean like Frankie Adams Twitter like just oh, yeah, no. is delightful and I love watching it like especially with um Dominic Kara McG and uh Dominic Tipper like interacting is like always a joy to see uh-huh. <laughs> so as I understand it it's going to be starting December 13th so I think it's gonna be like once per week or so that they'll release those and for those of you listening we will have post episode streaming fests as we delight <laughs> over all the fun things that we get to see like and and share in that wonder and joy with you dear listener uh definitely catch up if you haven't already it's all on amazon prime as much as we both hate jeff bezos the show is really fucking good yeah i feel really conflicted because yeah no i love this you. so anyway we'll, we'll deal with those feelings later <laughs> in the group dm yeah um <laughs> And Bert may join us if we can sucker him into watching the show. He I don't think it's it. his cup of tea. If there's more like Tartakovsky influence in this, maybe. But as it is, yeah. this is very space opera. But yeah, we're excited to share this with you all and have a blast doing it and sharing this thing that we love so much with you. And, you know, we'll look forward to hearing your comments and all the other kind of stuff. Anything else that you want to talk about like as like a preview or prelude for things that you think listeners might be might be good for them to know or hear about. So I, I'm trying not to be that person who's just like, oh, the books. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but like they're, they're, they've just done such a great job in like adapting and making small changes from the books that like, I'm not even mad that they're like, oh, they didn't do this. It's just like, I'm really curious how they're going to, to display this or show this. And yeah. it's, just, it's really interesting and intriguing. Um, really right now, again, like the most hype I'm about is like, really hyped to see gorm norman as the villain like i love he's gorm so norman good. he's so good and like especially this particular character i'm really looking forward to it so okay uh th- i i gotta say i'm looking forward to mostly in season four i'm really excited to see more interaction between holden and miller um mm. i just love not technically miller, i really love though. torturing steven straight yeah I, it's true yes i, I just love him being frustrated that was this sort of like gem of season three because normally holden's like confused trying to figure shit out but he, he figures it out and, and gets it done and he he's good but in, in season three he, he just is like staring at miller who's staring at like the wall in the bathroom of the, the rossinanti and just talking to himself and holden's like what the fuck do you want from me and just was like mm-hmm. if he can't shake him it's like doors and corners, kids. Mm-hmm. Doors and corners. Doors and corners. What the fuck does that mean, Miller? Right. Like I loved all that. Yeah, that's really good. So I'm I'm excited to see that that sort of piece. And 
that was one of my like favorite moments of like the end of the season. So we, we should probably talk briefly about how the season, the series has almost been canceled like three times at this point, but <laughs> still keeps coming back. I loved how season three ended because it felt like it could have been a fine ending if that was going to be it for the show. Right. Like, and I think that's good. why they, they did it in that way. Right. Like if they yeah. weren't entirely sure, I don't think they had been renewed yet or anything by the, like the filming of the end of that season. Right. That's all they, all they knew was that sci-fi wasn't renewing it, I think. And so yeah. I, mean, I know that they were hoping it'd get picked up, but they weren't sure. And I think now there's what confirmed like at least like two more seasons, like four and five. Yep. minimum. Yep. Um, it's the only good thing Jeff Bezos has ever done is be a fan of this series <laughs> to make this series. So, so many complicated feelings about this. Only the good thing he's done with his worthless fucking life is make sure this season keeps going. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, as long as we can get like it nine seasons, then I'm totally fine yeah. with like the guillotine man. Just go nuts. Or, yeah. Or to just like end it like Game of Thrones ended so poorly and so awfully. And I was a per- I was a person that did on the whole, I'd say generally enjoy the series. I'm really excited to see a grand narrative sort of series like Game of Thrones. The Expanse to me is a very much a sci-fi version of that, and George R. R. Martin has said it as much. I'm excited to see this done in a way that concludes in a meaningful way and does it well. And I think that it will. Like I have trust in the showrunners to do that. Um I think that they that they've already plotted it out so they're ready to go that we're going to see the final book next year i'm all i'm all good for that so i want to see my epic experience and in a satisfying way and game of thrones was not that at all no yeah no definitely not so you can find us at second star cast um on twitter please rate and review us um you can send us feedback at second star cast well you can send us feedback second star cast at gmail.com katie and i you can find us each at Anyway, weed fart sixty nine. Sorry, at, at very bit. Anyway, weed fart sixty nine. Sorry, <laughs> my apologies. Uh, you can find me at a very big bear. Uh, we'll see y'all later. Bye.